You're listening to the Arise Church Podcast. We are an Acts 29 church in Ventura, California, where we exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage culture. Find out more info or hear more sermons at our website, ariseventura.com. Thanks for listening. It was a joke that's told about a doctor, which essentially a physician, an engineer, and a politician. Uh, and what they were doing was they were trying to compare who whose profession was around for the longest. And so the doctor opens up, and the first thing that he says is, uh, actually, it had to be me because I had to make sure that everyone was well. So you could never have had anyone here other than uh, a doctor because we had to make sure as well. And then the engineer t- chimed in and was like, uh, I don't know, kind of there had to be, you know, some organization. There was just a whole bunch of chaos. So engineers had to be around longer. And that was when the politician chimed in and said, well, who created the chaos that you're trying to solve for? <laughs> and when I saw that, I just laughed because I think 2020 <laughs> has got us again this last week. This last week has been um, one for the books. Uh, you children, you guys are going to remember this and us as adults, right? This is something that is relatively un, uh, unsuspected, right? It's so crazy, unorthodox. Uh, but, you know, here we go. Um, I wrote down that 2020 is still teaching and humbling us. It's not just teaching us. It's not just like get, getting us uh, with a gotcha, but it's also humbling us. We did not expect and we still haven't even seen where things will go and how things will, quote unquote, end. Uh, And so it's something that should remind us of our place. It should remind us that we're not those who control anything. More than that, the text that Jeff just read from James chapter four, I think, is something that should humble us as well. I shared on Facebook this week about three friends since the last time we were all together on Sunday. Not all of them are friends, so to speak, but three people known no more than one person removed who passed away in the last week. Two pastors and one pastor's kid. One who was relatively old, one who was very middle-aged, and nobody would have suspected anything. Two of them COVID-related. The younger man was just standing and hanging out. He's planning a wedding with his fiance and planning to be married and they say he just collapsed and that was that our lives really are a vapor we really are a mist i want us to read james chapter 4 again and just slowly look at it um, and walk through it and consider these things james chapter 4 beginning in verse 13 has already been read And we'll just read it again. And if you're taking notes with your journal, obviously you know where to find us. It says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. 
as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So, what, uh, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Proving the point that there's this chaos in 2020 that's still humbling us. James, in a timely manner, drives the point home with this word to us. Life is a vapor. It's short and it's uncertain. You don't know when it is, but understanding that life is a vapor shows us that life has an end to it, that all of our lives do. And it's not always uh, a determined end, something that we would be able to measure out and say like, oh, this is when that will happen. We had some time also with a friend yesterday whose cousin walked out onto the highway down in the valley and stepped in front of an RV because he just was tired of COVID-19 and the depression that he had been experiencing. And so he ended his life intentionally. Young man. We don't know what to expect. We don't know when it will come. Life's a vapor. It's short, but it does have an end. And we don't know when that is. And most of us don't want to think about these things if we are honest. We live our lives in such a way that we're not thinking that that's going to come my way. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. It's not something that we typically walk around with on our hearts. And I don't think in a sadistic way we should be those who are just so low and so always... Uh, convinced of the fact that we will have a, um, you know, our, our, our dying day. But I do think that there's something, uh, something also wrong about the fact that we suppress it and we ignore it and we act like it just isn't a part of our lives. It's not going to come our way. We think, hey, I got people to see. I got places to go. I got things to do. We make all these plans. We drum them up. We spend our money ahead of time. I've already put down some deposit money on a trip for next June. Who knows I'm going to get there? We, we, we look so far ahead that we don't even consider what James has given to us. And I think that the point is if we are not careful to measure our days and, and uh, if, if we don't like remember that we shouldn't be ignoring these things, then we won't live our lives with the purpose with which they've been created and in the way in which it makes most sense, which is your life is like a mist or a vapor. Eternity is forever. You should live your life in light of eternity, not in light of the things that are passing here for short-lived and transient moments. The thing that impacts the real you, I remember being told that my eyeballs are the windows to my soul and that that just helped me like oh okay there's a real person in there and then there's this body that when those disconnect the body stays here rots away and it's like we have to put that in the ground real quick because it starts thinking right but that soul is eternal so i should live in light of the eternal things not in the things that are passing away including but not limited to uh, my body. So anyway, I have some thoughts here. Um, I'm going to try to uh, just walk through them and 
I think James wants us to know this, that making plans without considering God, right, without considering eternity, without considering the Lord himself is foolish insanity. And here's the reason why. Because life is uncertain and it's short-lived. That's what it means. You are a mist. You're a mist. We know and James is connecting this with the same conversation he's been talking about for a few weeks. We've been looking at wisdom, right? Barry uh, walked us through some wisdom, explicitly what it means to have wisdom from above. Last week, we looked at how is wisdom uh, seen in the way in which we work out our relational disagreements. Um, and and, and we're, we're cautioned against a worldliness in that. James hit kind of our need for humility in, in resolving complex with this idea of you need harmonious relationships. You actually need one another, right? It's not a, it shouldn't be a moment where you can uh, you know, just cast each other off. And he's confronting an arrogant spirit that's self-centered and self-serving. You guys remember that. All right. This is why it's important. Well, now he's confronting an arrogant spirit, spirit that he observed in the churches that said, I actually go about making all my plans and I know what I'm going to do tomorrow, where I'm going to go, who I'm going to meet and how I'm going to get there. And even how that's going to benefit me and myself and my lust and my passions, the things that I desire, all my cravings. And I'm not even thinking about anything beyond that. I want to remind us that he's talking to people who profess to know Christ. He's talking to Christians. People who know and love Jesus with a warning as strong as we've seen. And the subtitle or the subheading is arrogant boasting about tomorrow. He's warning us about that because they were making plans without taking into account their own mortality and without taking God himself and his sovereignty. That's what Jeff is talking about when he talks about control. Is that not God's sovereignty is what he's talking about, that God controls all things. He holds all things in his hand and he determines their ends. The people in James chapter four, verses 13 down, the ones he said, come now, you who say those individuals that he's writing to profess to know Christ. They're actually saying, I am the one that's in control. I'm doing my own thing. And, and he has a pause for them. Last week, we looked at first John chapter two and verse 15 is when I said, I wish I still had my shirt about. I used to love her. Y'all remember that? And the thing is, is that what was it? The, the, the love of the world. And it's described as the uh, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the f- flesh. And then there's this thing, the boastful pride of life. The arrogant, pompous life uh uh, like, you know, person, self, self-centered personal satisfaction that we, because we're in friendship with the world, because we want to do what the world has promised us and we want to get what we think the world has uh, set out for us. If we would only just apply ourselves, right? I can be a self-made man, anybody. We can pursue the American dream and we can get to all these things. Because of that, what we found is uh, James has three warnings for us. He's got three warnings for us, right? He wants us to know that though it's not bad to plan, I don't think it's wrong to to plan ahead. I think that's the right thing to do, right? Especially if a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, he's got to do some financial planning. Like planning is not bad, but 
if we plan and not don't think about uh, God himself or don't think about eternity. It's senseless. And so we got these three reminders that he wants us to put our plans in place. Right. That's what it is. We got three reminders. Um, put your plans in their proper place. Bathe your plans in prayer. And keep them in perspective. Verse 13. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. He's, he's calling out a heart and a spirit that a lot of us actually have. If, we, if we're honest with ourselves, right, he's exposing further our heart's worldly desires and the cravings that drive us. And he's saying you need to put your plans in the proper place. Don't be driven by, or you who are driven by the fact that you're going to go somewhere and you're going to trade and make a profit. I know where I'm going. I know how I'm going to get there and what it's going to do for me. He says, come here, let me talk to you. <laughs> we're driven to this by, by what? Self-satisfying desires. If we're honest and we keep ourselves in the right place, if we're honest about it, we, we, we legitimately have a, a, um, a trouble with like not putting all of our eggs in the basket that says, I know where I'm going and I know how I'm going to get there. Everybody here is looking because like I just <laughs> I just dropped all my papers, which means that there's six sheets of paper on the ground. And we just not going to go for those. I'll try to find them in a second because I, I think I got this internalized. Here's the thing. In putting these things in perspective, here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to realize that when we are saying. I'm going to go here tomorrow. I'm going to go in such a town and spend a year there and try to make a profit. He's saying you're being driven by those things. And it even is evidence of the fact that you have a heart that is, you know, at the heart of this is like exploitation. I know a place that I can go to and I can set up shop there and we're going to spend about a year there and we're going to crush it. We're going to kill it. We're going to get to the bag. It's kind of the idea, right? We're going to get all of the prosperity. We're going to be able to find our way, uh, you know, down to the uh, point that we're just going to take advantage of whoever's there. There's a couple words in this text. One is where we get emporium. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate that. Uh, I just don't want it to be long, you know, trying to get back to it. Um, when he says that you're going to trade, it's this idea even of trafficking something. It's like it, we know about human trafficking. We know about drug trafficking and those things. Right. So it's saying I'm going to go. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to go here and I'm going to make a trade. I'm going to I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And I'm going to set up shop in order to traffic goods. And then he says, make a profit, which could be understood in a negative term. It says, I'm not going to lose. It's not just that I'm a game, but it's also I'm not going to lose. See that I'm going here and it's going to be good for me. As he's uh, getting into that, what we find is that. He's calling us to a spot where he wants us to say, God is actually the one who's in control. I'm not in control. God knows what tomorrow holds. I don't know what tomorrow holds. God is sovereign. I'm not. Well, that means that I need to make all my plans with the proper perspective and especially not be driven by what I think it's going to do for me in 12 months for now. Even to the degree that I would want to uh, 
take advantage of someone. I have, you know, two warnings, I think, is what he's trying to get us to see. He's exposing this lust for power and a lust for prosperity. Right? Like I said, presumably a weaker, unsuspecting town. We're going to go over there and it's going to go well for us. And then you got the flip side with the prosperity. We're going to take advantage of people by selling and trafficking and trading all of our goods. And, and, and when you do that, what are you doing? You're using a person for your gain. You're using things for your gain. They said, we're going to go to this place and we're going to use it for our gain. Reason why I said this is at the heart of exploitation. I don't want to take it too far, but I really do believe that this connects to what we'll talk about next week, which talks about oppressive people over against those who labor. He says again, come now, you say you who say in uh, chapter five and verse one. So this message is really like he's linking something. Our priority should not be what we can gain, but what we can give. Right. Mm -hmm. So what drives me shouldn't be that I'm going to be able to go into the next town and I'm going to be able to kill it there and make all this profit and I'm not going to lose. What it should be is how can I contribute to the good and the flourishing and the thriving of society and spend my life knowing that I might actually die on the way there. I might get there and stay there for a week. I might be able to be there for a year, but I have no idea about what's going to happen with my life. And so I'm going to give the control of all things to God. And therefore, I'm going to live my life in light of eternity, which is where I'm headed forever. He said life is a vapor. You see that you're a mist. You're here for a little time. A mist. I mean, we squared it out, (laughs) you know, Uh, some acts. (laughs) <laughs> right uh you know i mean whatever it is whatever spray aerosol can um smoke uh you know a, a, a vapor i put a picture up of somebody blowing a crazy vape cloud right just like one of those humongous you, you hold it in and blow it as high and as large as you can it's amazing and it's like it's impressive and then it's gone he said our lives are that so if, 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 if our lives are that and we're supposed to plan um, and, and keep our plans in the pri- proper place, then we have to see ourselves like a breath, like a mist, like a vapor, like a smoke. The word for mist, or if you have a different Bible translation, it says vapor. The word is atmos. What does that sound like, y'all? You're right. Atmosphere. It's there. <laughs> Can't grab a hold of it. It's actually where we get our English word derived atmosphere from. The reality is, is he's saying, you're like the atmos. It's like it goes and it, and it blows away and it's gone. It tells us to look at our lives and realize that we're seen for a short period of time and then disappearing. And I'm, I don't want you to think that we believe in annihilationism. You don't disappear forever. <laughs> you disappear from earth. And you appear in forever. <laughs> and so the thing is, is that what, what matters is how we spend our lives here based on where we know we're going and the eternity that lies in the balance. So that motivates me to say, yeah, James is trying to tell us to keep our, 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 our plans in the proper place. He wants us to not be driven by the plans and what we think we'll gain and the way we'll take advantage of other people. And he wants us to realize our lives are so short and so 
everything should be held in light of eternity. The next verse, he gives us kind of what you should have done. When you go to verse 14, it says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? Your mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or we will do that. That's why I said the second one is that we should bathe our plans in prayer. There was a guy who lived this out. You never meet those people who just try to make everything really practical. And they're so meticulous. His name is PJ. PJ Tobian. He's a person that I have learned so much from. And I love this brother. But I pick on him about this one thing. No matter what it is. If you get caught saying, hey, PJ, let's go to the mall. He says, if the Lord wills. (laughs) Hey, PJ, I'll see you tomorrow. If the Lord wills. Or he'll greet you, you know, hey, or, or, or I guess he'll excuse you from being in his presence. Hey, I'll see you again if the Lord wills. And it's like I did that with him in varying degrees, knowing him over the span of a decade, living 50 miles away from him and then living, you know, around the corner from him and things like that. Right. And I tell you guys right now, it now makes sense to me that when the last time I saw him at his local church, we we're sitting down going through a meeting until midnight and it was like, hey, I'll see you again if the Lord wills. I haven't seen that man in over three years. You don't know what tomorrow holds. He, he carries this posture, right? Again, he makes it very practical and he just always says it. But our, our minds should be such that we say, if the Lord is willing, this is where I'll go, which will cause me to do what? Depend on him. It'll cause me to depend on him in prayer. It'll cause me to ask him where I should go. Or do you want that for us or from us? Is this something that you're doing? I mean, just wrestling is a real part of the life that we live here. If we realize we're not the ones who are in control. And so it's interesting to me that um, if the Lord is willing is like what you ought to say. Like, hey, I know you're saying this and that's what your plan is, but you should be thinking like that, right? You should have done this. And here's what it hinges on. You should have done this because you don't know what tomorrow brings. You should have done this because your life is a paper, (laughs) right? You should have been asking God where you will go and saying that you will only go and make those plans because he has shown you that your life is transient. Mm-hmm. It passes and it passes quick, y'all. The last point he gave us is like, keep all your planning in perspective. It sounds kind of the same about priorities, but this is this is a perspective, perspective of what we keep driving at. God is sovereign. You are not. God controls all things. You cannot. So keep your planning in perspective there. God controls everything. He numbers your days. You can't do that. You can't tell me right now how many days you think you have, you want to have, you're going to have. There are times when doctors will tell you you only got a couple days. Carol will tell you that. You guys know Carol? Years ago, they told her, "Ah, that's a wrap. Carol is with us in strength, (laughs) right? No one can number your days. God does. God can. And so what perspective should we be holding? Not that we control anything. I mean, that's pretty clear, right? But I think that what we might miss is that 
James's readers, just like us, are living in such a way that they hold the control. Mm -hmm. Living in light of this idea uh, that, you know, operating and thinking that their lives are their own. That's the challenge that you and I, if we are honest on more days than not, live as though we're the ones who know it all. We're the ones who uh, have control of how far we will go and when we will get there. That our lives are our own and the desires and the cravings that swell up in us that would be for wealth, power, prosperity, something that politically could be given to us or added to us. We bank on that. I got quick. <laughs> we bank on that. And what do we do when we bank on that? We start organizing and arranging everything based on that. Our hearts are swelling up for it. We can't sleep at night because all we're doing is thinking about it. We spend our money that way. We invest that way. We begin to move and shake and network that way because all we're thinking about is the fact that this is where my heart is set. This is where I'm going and this is what I'm going to get. I think in light of that, in light of that truth, right, that it's foolish to think and operate that way. That it, that, it, that it doesn't make sense because you can't control anything and you don't number your days. Here's the perspective. If we're talking about keeping it in perspective, the perspective, perspective is as long as God is in control and I'm not, all that boasting is evil. That's, that's where our text goes, isn't it? Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. If the reality is that God controls everything and he knows what's good and, and what's good for us, then all that boasting is, is evil. He says you boast in your arrogance. So here we are back to self-centeredness and pride. The wisdom God is trying to give to us is like centered in humility, really. He's not trying to give you skillful living so that you can go out and crush it and build your own empire, little K kingdom. He's not trying to get you to some power or prosperity or whatever for your own good. The reality is he's calling you to humble yourself. Remember last week, the message for us is to submit yourself to God. Yeah. Mm. This is the same message. Yeah. Luke chapter 12. Many of us know that. Parable, Luke 12, verses 16 to 21. Does somebody else want to read it? Somebody in the room? Somebody want to unmute on, um, on Zoom? Luke 12, 16 to 21. Jesus illustrates this for us. Way before James, his half-brother. Somebody read it for us. And he told them a parable saying... The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? How far did you say? To 21. Okay. And he said, I will do this, and I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool. This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Hmm. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Jesus tells a parable about somebody he had to call a fool. And he says, so is the one who lays up treasure and 
and, and stores up things here. What is that pers person doing other than arrogantly boasting about tomorrow and what I'm going to have and how long I'm going to have it and how good it's going to be for me and mine? That's why our central truth, I'll say it again, is making plans without considering God is foolish insanity. That's where I get that from. I wasn't trying to just come with some hard language, right? It's like Jesus says it's foolish. It's insanity because life is uncertain and it is short. I think about 2020 and I say to myself, if there's anything that 2020 has taught us and is leading us to and should be reminding us of, it's the fact that, man, we don't control anything, right? In spite of all your careful planning about your future, your future, and, and all the things that you certainly are going to do, your future itself is uncertain. You remember James chapter 1, verses 10 to 11? says that a rich man in all of his pursuits is going to fade like a flower. Mm. And so will his riches right behind him. Mm. A man who's driven by these things in all of his pursuits, he's going to fade away one day. Just like a flower or grass. We keep going back to Proverbs because James is pushing us to wisdom. And that's wisdom literature. Proverbs 27 and verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Simple. It's, like, it's, it's almost like you start to realize this is a central truth in the scriptures themselves, that God really is in control. He created me. He's sovereign. He's over everything. And there's a way in which I should live to glorify him and to magnify Jesus and my trust of him and not in my own self. I want to read Psalm 39. Psalm 39 verses uh, 4, 5, and 6. Say, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Another translation would say, remind me that my days are numbered and how fleeting my life is. Behold, you have my days of uh, you've made my days a few hand breaths. And my lifetime is nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. This is literally what the word teaches us. And in a week where, you know, I've, I've got three people that I know of, right, pass away. They have a, another gentleman come over, friend telling me about his cousin. I'm like, man, in seven days. One person removed. That's what it really looks like. And, and I'm just me. Y'all know the same thing and we hear about it in uh, various measures. That's why verse 6 of Psalm 39 says, Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Literally, that we are merely moving shadows. And for nothing we're in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather it. Which, which essentially says man heaps up wealth and doesn't know who's going to spend it. That's that fool from Luke, right? That Jesus said, hey, you're storing up all this and you're building all these big barns and you're saving all that. And you don't know what tomorrow brings. Your life's not going to be here and somebody else is going to go and spend all that. That's going to be someone else's. That is a check to our hearts because I think it's not always monetary. We think about plans and things like that. It, it really is about our own prosperity and 
you know, the way in which we might be propped up in our culture, in our families, in our communities and those things. This, this idea that our lives are like a mist or like a vapor really is telling us that our lives are like the, the weather that we had this weekend that, that has us even, you know, moving to Zoom. It's like uncertain and short. I, I was outside at five o'clock in the morning when it was raining cats and dogs on Friday and it was overwhelming. Puddles in the backyard, wet everywhere. I mean, it was so much. By seven o'clock, Carlos walked in the backyard with donuts and we laughing and joking. The sun is out, birds are chirping. And ever since. <laughs> and ever since. The wind comes through a little bit, knocked over some easy ups on the other side of the house, but ain't windy right now. Right? It's short-lived. It's uncertain. It's like the marine layer. We talked about that. It rolls in. It, it takes over the whole community. You can't see anything. It's gloomy. And then it burns off when the sun comes through. And you ain't thinking about it again until the next day. James is telling us, your life is like that. And I think that it probably sounds morbid. And like I said, we don't want to talk about it uh, because it, it, can, it can feel discouraging. But if we understand it with the right heart and mind, what we're being shown is that there is a way that we can live in light of eternity. And I'm going to tell you guys this and I'll close. The last person that I looked at like in the eyeballs and said this to was standing at the River Church where we used to meet at four o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, hey man, like don't abuse it. You got a second uh, you know, option at life. Like everything you just shared with me, I love hearing that, but your life is not promised. You have no idea when it will be your day. Live like you know that. Because he was acknowledging a bunch of truths about who God is, but he was kind of still wanting to do his own thing. That man died Friday, I think, maybe Saturday. Young man. And I had looked at him and said, your life is like a vapor. And by that weekend, he had passed away. That's why I selected Psalm 39, verse 7, or, or, or Psalm 39. And, and I, um, I left off verse 7, but I want us to, to read that. Psalm 39, after saying what our lives are like, and we don't know who's going to spend our wealth, says, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. James said all of our boasting is evil. And he finishes by saying, so anybody who doesn't do what is right, what they know is right, for that person it is sin. There's a message for two categories of people. For those who are believers, we're being told that we should humble ourselves and that we should walk in wisdom by being humble and trusting him. That we clearly can see the argument that's built here. And he's calling us to walk in wisdom by being humble, not being arrogant, not being proud, not being self-centered and not taking advantage of people and or time. And I think the second group is for those who would be seeking, right? Anybody who's like trying to figure it out. The reality is, is that Jesus Christ has already determined what eternity looks like for anybody who believes in him. And so the thing is, is that tomorrow's not promised. Your life is a mist. Your life is a vapor. Like that's something that we have to deal with. Yeah. He wants us to do that. 
And he's given us like a gracious invitation because we see the, the, the path that has been uh, marked out before us. And then we also have this kind of overarching big story of redemption mindset that tells us, man, but I don't have to walk out of here and not know what my future holds. I can walk out of here and and be sure and be sure that in eternity there is paradise. There is healing from all the brokenness. There is a, a, a beautiful relationship and nothing but good. And he calls me to turn away from my self-centeredness, turn away from my arrogance, turn away from my boasting and humble myself and submit to God. And he even gives me grace. He gives more grace, right? So it's not like I'm going to get it perfect. I do it once and now all of a sudden I'm never guilty of that. And that's not what it is. He gives us grace to walk in a transformed life. So let's pray and then uh, we'll sing in Christ alone. Because if it wasn't for him, we actually would not have uh, that kind of assurance made available to us.